John chapter 14. So something different than our current series that we've been on. But I believe it's going to be good to minister to you. I believe there's answers in the word of God. Amen. One word from God can change our lives. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray and then we'll get into this word. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for meeting with us today. And we thank you for the opportunity we have to hear from you. We're asking for eyes that see and ears that hear, hearts that are open and receptive. We ask that you show us things in your word that we have not seen before. Show us how to apply it. Show us how to be a doer of this word. Show us how to take this word and to act upon it, Lord, so that we are not just hearers, that we are doers of the word so that we get results in our lives, Father God. We ask you for these things, Father God, and we thank you, Lord, that you are showing us in our own personal lives today how to practically apply this word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 Go with me to your uh, John 14, correct? Yes. Let's start in verse 27. Let me f- swallow this mint real quick. Um, John 14, verse 27. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Notice that he says, the, he says, I give my peace to you, not like the world gives peace. You know, the world, they don't have peace to offer. Uh, you know, they can tell you peace. They can say, peace, bro. You know, love and peace, man. And they can talk about finding inner peace and they can do all kind of weird and goofy things. They can go to the beach and sit in a pretzel-like pose on the powdery sands of Siesta Key and think they're entering into some zen-like state of, you know, basking in the glow of peace and tranquility. But I want to know where they're getting this peace from, (laughs) you know? Where is this peace coming from? If you don't know the Lord, you cannot have peace. Oh, sure, you can do some things, You can hear the sounds of the ocean that the Lord created and it may calm you down for a few minutes. But after you go home and before you get home, you get in the car and you start thinking about your problems and start thinking about all the cares and all the troubles that are going on. Man, you are going to be worried. You are not going to have peace. I mean, you can get high. You can smoke all the weed you want. You know, (laughs) you can get inebriated. You can do all the drugs that take you into another world. But unless you have the peace of God in you, you will not have a peace that lasts. You will not have the peace of God on the inside of you because the world doesn't have the source of peace on the inside of them. Amen. But Jesus didn't give us that kind of peace. He said, my peace I give to you, my peace. And because he has given us his peace, he said, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, a lot of Christians, in spite of that, in spite of the Lord giving us his peace, are still troubled, are still worried, 
are still fretful, are still afraid. Even though the Lord gave us his peace, many Christians are still troubled all the time. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that in your life sometimes? <laughs> that, you know, there could be some things troubling you, that can be some things bothering you. If you let it, there will always be something to trouble us, right? There will always be something that could bother us. There will always be something that could frustrate us, that could annoy us, that could be troubling. But he said, I gave you my peace. And this is what the enemy wants. He wants us always in a state where we are troubled, where we have anxiety, where we are distressed. And that's not a good representation of the Lord. Amen. It's not a good representation of the Lord to be always stressed, to be always troubled. You know, could you picture Jesus down here on the earth, pulling his hair out, biting his teeth, walking around frantically like, oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord, I didn't know it was this bad down here on the earth. Why did I come here? Oh, my goodness. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Peter, James, John, come on, huddle up. What are we going to do? Could you imagine the Lord Jesus doing that? No. And he gave us his very own peace. No, he had the peace that passes understanding while he was on this earth. He wasn't frantic. He wasn't walking around scared and afraid. And he gave us that very own peace. And he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. That means that we don't have to be troubled. That means that we don't have to be afraid. Amen? If we couldn't help it, the Lord would have said that. He would have said, well, try not to. No, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Some of the newer modern translations, they don't like that. So they've taken that out and they put try. But no, the Lord never said try. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Because when he tells you that, he's giving you the ability to do it. See, his word is life-giving, it's enabling, it's empowering. So the moment he said, don't do something, with the word came the ability to do what he told us to do or not do. So we have the ability not to be troubled. We have the ability to not be afraid. Amen? In Mark 13, you don't have to turn there. But in Mark 13, verse 7, I have a few scriptures to turn to today, but that's all right. Amen? Amen. Believe with me now, guys. Uh, Mark 13, it says this. And you guys probably are familiar with the scripture, verse 7. It says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, what does he say? Scream. Dread. <laughs> yell. Like a... Chicken with its head cut off, running around like, oh, my Lord, oh, the earth is over. There's wars. Panic. What did he say? He's, what did the Lord say? When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, be afraid. Be very afraid. Go and dig an underground bunker and stack up canned goods for 20 years and go find you an analog CB radio and you... Hold on for 20 years, and if you see life out there, come out afterwards. No, he didn't say that. He said, don't be troubled. That means in the midst of disaster, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of things happening all around us, we don't have to be troubled. 
we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be worried. He didn't say, you know, uh, don't care about it. He didn't say, wars, yeah, people are going to die. Who cares? No big deal. It is what it is. No, he didn't say that. There's going to be some things down here that we'll see that will cause us to shed some tears, that will cause us to you know, look at it and be like, man, and not be happy about those situations. But we don't have to stay in a constant state of just troubled heart, worried heart, fretful heart, and just depressed and anxiety and overwhelmed with all the things that are going on on down here. Amen. There is a bunch of things going on in our lives down here surrounding us that if you allow it to, you would just be troubled all the time. You will just be worried all the time. And it takes faith to not be troubled. It requires faith to not be panicking like the rest of the world is panicking. You know, we have to decide sometimes, are we going to be people of faith? Or are we going to be just like the rest of the world? Because the rest of the world, the rest of the people that we work with, go to school with, do life with, they panic. They're in fear. They're in dread. They're in worry when things aren't going the way that they want it to go. But what's going to be the difference between us and them? What's going to be the difference? We have to be, we have to do something different. But we have a God that gave us his peace. Amen. We have a Lord that gave us his very own peace. And we don't want to do what people who have no peace do who when they're faced with the same situation, they respond a, a certain way. We don't want to do that, what they do. We don't want to respond the way they respond. We want to respond completely different. That's why Jesus said, hey, I'm giving you my peace, not like the world gives. I'm giving you a different kind of peace, which means there should be a different kind of result in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, go with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 46. We are children of the Most High God, and only by faith can you see something that seems dangerous. Only by faith can you look at some dangerous situations, some troubling situations, and you say, hey, my God is still on the throne. My God is still my refuge. He is still my protector. He is still my deliverer. He is still my father, and he's going to take good care of me. Amen? He is the only one that's going to take care of us. And so we have faith in that. Where are you at? Psalms chapter 46? Psalm chapter 46. Now, I know the things we're talking about, it's not a normal human response. It's not a normal human response when there's danger and when there's trouble all around and in our lives. It's not a normal human response to say, hey, my father is going to keep us. My father is going to protect us. When everybody is running and hiding and saying, oh, my Lord, the earth is ending. And we're saying, hey, my God is still my God. He's still on the throne. You know, when everybody's at the grocery store clearing everything out (laughs) and panicking like, oh, it's the end of the world. We can walk in and say, hey, well, the Lord's still going to take care of us. That doesn't mean we don't use any wisdom and don't do anything. We do what he told us to do. But we don't have to let that fear and trouble inside of us. We don't have to let that dread inside of us. And that pleases God. Faith is what pleases God. Faith is what allows God to do something in your life that he's not doing, some, that he's not doing in other people's lives. It's faith. You got a person here dealing with the same situation, two people dealing with the same situation. Why can God do 
something for this person and not for this person? Because this person is giving him access into their life by faith. He's saying, hey, I'm trusting him. This person is trusting in themselves. Well, we're going to be the person and people that trust the Lord, that look to him, that are not shaken and trembling. In Psalms 46, and like I said, his word gives life. His word is enablement. As soon as you hear the word, life comes into you. When you read the word of God, you hear the word of God, life comes into you. Empowering life comes into you. Isn't that what Jesus said about his words? He said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We live by this. This gives us life. This gives us energy. This gives us strength. What is life? That is strength, right? That's your ability and enablement to live, to do something. And his word says this in Psalm 46, starting in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we shall fear. Is that what it says? No, see, somebody's paying attention. (laughs) Therefore, we will not fear. Think about that. If he is our present help in trouble, why would we fear? If he is presently with us right now. See, now, sometimes flesh is more real to us, but God is here. Now, if we saw him physically right now and he appeared and said, I'm God, here I am, my children. (laughs) I don't know if he he probably doesn't talk like that, but if he appeared right now and said that, and we saw some disasters out there, we saw, oh my goodness, this looks like a dangerous situation. But he's standing right here. His presence is right here. We would have no fear. We're like, man, the creator of the universe is right here. Well, how many know he's right here? We don't see him, but by faith, he, he is here. His spirit is here. He is here. And because of that, it says, therefore, we will not fear. And even when? When won't we fear? Even though the earth be removed? We won't fear. Even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, what? We won't fear. Though its waters roar and trembled and are troubled, what? We won't fear. See, all this is saying we won't fear even though this is happening. You see that. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, what? We are not going to fear. We're not going to fear even though all this is going on. It didn't say, now, it didn't say that your soul wouldn't be tempted to fear. It didn't say that you wouldn't have some feelings. It it didn't say that you might not have some temptation and you might not feel some goosebumps, that you might not feel some inner turmoil. It didn't say that, but you are making a decision of your will and of your faith. I'm not going to fear. You're making a decision. I am choosing not to fear. Why? Because I have a present help. In time of trouble, I'm not going to fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's that? The shadow of death. That's when it seems like death is imminent. That's when it seems like there's no hope. That's when it seems like it's dangerous. There's it's just no hope, no light at the end of the tunnel. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they what? They comfort us. What is that? That is his present help 
in a time of trouble, in a time of gloom, in a time of darkness, in a time of evil, he is presently right there with us. His help is with us. So because of that, we don't have to fear. Because of that, we don't have to be troubled. Do you see that? Or we could panic. And we can throw our hands up in the air and say, it's all over. <laughs> it's all over from here on out, on, guys. I mean, there's nothing more we can do. And if we do that, we won't be any calm. We won't, the trouble will not subside. The anxiety will not subside if we give in to panic, if we give in to the fear. Amen? It's not going to go away. Actually, it'll cause more problems. You ever see people panic? I mean, now people put their whole lives on social media, and you can see people act crazy, and they panic, and things get worse. They're like, ah, they run from something, boom, hit the wall, and things got worse, right? <laughs> panic and fear and dread will just make things worse. Yeah. No one ever panicked and said, oh, I feel such the peace of God now. No, that, that doesn't happen when you panic and get in fear. No, but the thing is, we are not victims to the trouble around us. We are not victims and that we are just helpless and no matter what goes on, we are just destined to be troubled. We are just destined to have anxiety and to be stressed. No, the Lord would not have told us to not let it in, to not be troubled, to not be afraid if there was nothing we could do about it. So the very fact that he told us to not be troubled, that means there is something we can do about it. We are not just helpless victims of our circumstances. Amen? Amen. Now, we're not talking about, you know, suppressing feelings. We're not talking about you feel fear, you feel worry, and you're like, mm, I'm not going to give in to it. Mm, no, 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 no. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you see the fear and you even may feel it but you are making a decision of faith, I'm not giving in to this. I am not giving in to this fear. I don't care what the situation may be. I, we have some friends that their uh, son, when he was, how old was he, seven or something like this, six? And um, he had uh, some type of cancer. It was a bone marrow cancer, some type of cancer, uh, and a tumor as well. And um, he's, there's a video of him. He's all tubed up and it looks, it doesn't look like a good situation. And his mom in the middle of that is singing praise to God, is singing songs about the name of Jesus. In the middle, that's a picture of faith. That's a, that's a decision of faith. That's a decision to say, I'm not going to fear. Even though the mind could be saying, I should fear, by faith you say, I refuse to fear. I am not going to let this trouble me. I am not going to let this get to me. I refuse to fear. Amen? Amen. I refuse to fear. Say, I refuse to fear. When men's hearts are failing them all around us, when people are crying and panicking and yelling, we can be a light. We can be a witness. We can stand up and say, hey, I don't know how everything is going to go down. I don't know what the end is going to look like. But I know one thing. I am not going to fear. I am not going to be troubled. People go, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they're pulling on you and they're tugging on you. You say, get off me. I'll tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to panic. We're not going to fear. We're not going to get all upset and be afraid. We're going to trust the Lord. 
He is still on the throne. He is still God. He is still my father. He is still my refuge. He is still my fortress. He is still my rock. Amen. Come on, somebody. Anyone can be scared. Anyone can act like the world and be afraid. Anyone can panic like that. Amen. (laughs) Some people, man, in this generation, man, this is a scared generation, man. It is an afraid generation. People are so emotional, full of fear and anxiety. And we cannot allow that to get in us. And that's going to be the difference between us and the world is that we choose not to let that inside of us. Amen. We don't have to be afraid. We don't know how it's going to all work out, but hey, it's going to work out. We know how it will work out if we try to do it our way, because we've been doing it our way, and man, we've had stress. We've had some trouble. Well, let's stop that, and let's do it, our, let's do it God's way and see him work. Amen? Well, now, brother, you don't know things are getting worse and worse. The Bible says it's what's going to happen, but... You know, the Bible didn't say, Jesus didn't say things are getting worse and worse. So be afraid, hide, cry, just stay in your bed all night, morning, noon, and night, shed tears. Then people will know that you really do care and you are a good little Christian and soldier for the army of God. No, Jesus didn't say that, did he? Some people act like that, though. Some people act like they're more spiritual than everybody else. Because they are always rocking around with a sad, somber face. And, and oh, all the troubles in the world. All the troubles. If you were so in tune into the spirit world like I am, you would see all the troubles in the world and you would be down too. That's how they act. But no, that's just, that's just baloney. That's just pride. Because if you're going to do what the Lord said, We're not going to be troubled. Now, we're not rejoicing because these things are happening, but we are in faith that, hey, God is still God. And is that what the Father and the Son and the angels in heaven, are they sad and depressed over the thousands of people that are not getting saved? Uh, Is that what the Bible says? Does it say they, they weep and they cry And they just have pity parties and say, oh, my Lord, everyone's dying and going to hell. No, it says over the one sinner, they rejoice. Well, there's probably at least one sinner coming to the Lord all the time, every day. So that means in heaven, they're partying all the time. They're rejoicing all the time. They're like, hey, glory, somebody is coming home. They're praising God. They're dancing. They're singing. Why? Because our God is a God of joy. He's a God of happiness and joy. Amen. Where are you guys at? Psalms chapter 46. Psalms chapter 46. Go to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. You know, if we do what God told us to do, now don't get me wrong, there's some serious situations that are out there that are happening, but in the middle of that, we can choose to look at the Lord. We can choose to not let it in us. And, you know, sometimes we can think that our situations are so unique that nobody knows the troubles I've seen. You've heard those phrases before. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Well, the truth is a lot of people have been through way worse stuff than us, and they didn't act as, you know, depressed, discouraged, and sad and upset as we were, right? 
A lot of people have been through some very challenging things in some way worse things than us. And they weren't, you know, you might have not even known that they were going through that because they still had a smile on their face. They still had the joy of the Lord. And some people are bent out of shape for a day because they broke their fingernail. <laughs> not us though, amen. Sometimes our pride doesn't want to admit that some people are going, have been through way worse stuff than we have, and they handled it a lot better. Amen. Sometimes our pride, we don't want to admit that. We're like, man, they've been through that and they're not even sad. What's wrong? You know, we don't like to admit that. Well, maybe because I'm just different, you know. I'm more in tune spiritually. People always have a reason why they're acting different. But the Bible says no temptation, no trial, no test has overtaken you. But what is just what? Common. It's common. That means everybody is going through things. And a lot of them have handled it a lot better, <laughs> right? People have gone through a lot of worse things, and they are still standing. They are still with the joy of the Lord. Amen? But, uh, you know, and, and when you act like that, people will think something's wrong with you. When you, have, when you have, you know, situations in your life that seem like you should be in bed in a fetal position crying, <laughs> when it seems like you have some very serious life-altering situations and you have the joy of the Lord and you are at peace and you're like, glory to God, praise the Lord. How's it going? And people may look at you like, man, that guy, that lady, they don't know what's going on. Don't they, don't they see what's going on in their life? It's evident to everybody else. Are they aware? Are they naive? Man, that, that Jesus stuff has caused them to go crazy. And it's like, it's like Festus in the Bible when he was talking to Paul. He said, Paul, all that reading, all that stuff has caused you to go, go mad. You're insane. He said, no, I'm not mad. I'm not insane, but I'm speaking the truth. How I many know we are believing this is true over our circumstances? We are believing the word of God is true above our circumstances. Amen? That's what we believe is true. <laughs> Go to Philippians chapter, you're there, Philippians chapter 4, right? You know, we're not pretending like this stuff don't exist. We're not putting our heads in a sand like an ostrich saying, no, I don't see it. No, we see it, but we are choosing to put our eyes on someone else. We are choosing to put our eyes on him and say, hey, he is still my God and he is still on the throne. And as long as he is still on the throne, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be better than good. I'm going to be, I, I'm going to have the favor of God on my life. If he's still on the throne, things are going to work out for my good and his glory. Philippians 4 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. When did he say to rejoice? Always. Always. We're not rejoicing because of the situation, but in the situation, we're rejoicing. Regardless of the situation, we're rejoicing. Amen? And anybody know where Paul was writing this from? Prison. This is not American prison. <laughs> this is, there was no America. This is not a, you know, a prison where they got nice bunks and a, and a light like this in there to bright, lighten up the room. No, this is, a, this is not a nice prison. This is not American prison. This is not a prison where people commit a crime to try to get to. This is a prison they want to stay away from. And he says, 
Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How many things should we be anxious for? Everything. Be anxious about everything. Be worried. Be fretful. No. It says be anxious for nothing. Well, there's got to be a few things that it's okay to be anxious for, right? No, he didn't say that. He said be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And what's going to happen when you do that? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. No, there's no things that the Holy Spirit says, you know, these things over here, ooh, yeah, those things, you probably want to be anxious about those. Because if you don't, ooh, I don't know what's going to happen. No, he didn't say that. There is nothing that we have to be anxious about. Now, that is not implying, though, that this is a piece of cake. It's not a piece of cake. It's not just easy to cast the cares upon the Lord, like 1 Peter 5, 7 says. It's not an easy thing to do not to be anxious. But we can do it because he's telling us not to do it. And when he's telling us not to do it, the empowerment comes. The ability comes. And he is enabling us to do it. No, it takes faith to do this verse. It takes faith to cast our cares upon the Lord. It takes faith not to be anxious. It takes faith to just trust the Lord that if I will do what he told me to do, he will watch over his word and perform it in my lives, in our lives. Amen? Amen. It takes faith to do that. It requires faith for us to say, Lord, I'm going to do what you told me to do. And when I do what you told me to do, that means you're making yourself responsible for my situation. If we do what he told us to do about our situation and we cast our cares upon him and we are not anxious for nothing, we let our requests be made known to God and we rejoice, he makes himself responsible for, his, for our situation. The problem is we got to make sure we don't pick up the care again. And that's where the challenge is. Where we don't pick up the anxiety again, where we don't pick up that trouble again and say, God, you're taking too long. Let me get this and try to carry the load again. Because when you try to carry the load, it ain't working out, right? (laughs) This is challenging. This is one of the biggest challenges we have in life is to not take the care and the weight and the burden of things on our little shoulders. We can't handle it. That's why we have to cast it on him. This is one of the biggest challenges we will face on a daily basis is saying, okay, Lord, I'm giving this to you. That word cast, when it talks about in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares, that literally means to throw it on him. And it has the same uh, in Luke when it talks about that uh, when Jesus came in on a donkey and they put all their garments on the donkey, they threw the weight of that. See, these guys are traveling, right? They're traveling from city to city, walking. They have all their luggage, if you will, bags and things like that. Well, They are taking that off of them and throwing it on to the one who is the burden carrier, the donkey, the one who can take the load for them. Well, that is the picture that we are to have with Jesus. We take our cares, we take all that heavy burden, all that load, and we just say, here you go, Lord. I'm not taking it. And then when it tries to come back on you later in the day, nope, here you go, Lord. 
I'm not taking this care. I'm not taking this worry. I'm not taking this burden. It's your responsibility now. Now, if we didn't do what he told us to do, if we didn't obey God, if we didn't do some things that we were supposed to do, well, then that's a different message, right? That's some, we need to talk uh, about something else, about some diligence, about obey, obeying the Lord. But if we've done all we know to do, sometimes all that you can do next is cast your care upon the Lord. If you've prayed, if you've fasted, if you've sought the Lord and you've been praying and you've been seeking him and you've been believing him, the only thing next to do is to cast your care upon the Lord, is to give it to him. Go to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 Jesus is teaching about the parable of the seed and the sower. And, uh, you know, he's talking about the seed and the sower. And the seed represents the word of God. The seed represents the word of God. And the ground represents the different types of hearts, the conditions of people's hearts and the word being sown into their hearts. And the word, the word of God is a living seed. The word of God is a seed. And if we don't understand this parable, you, we don't understand how the kingdom of God works. But, and that's what Jesus said. But if the word of God comes into you, it will put roots down into you. And it will spring forth and it can produce amazing results in our lives. It can produce fruit. But just because we heard the word of God, just because we read the word of God, that doesn't mean automatically that we're just going to have amazing results just because we heard the word of God. Just because we were under the anointed word of God, that doesn't mean automatically we're going to have results because there are different types of grounds and different types of grounds get different type of results. That's true naturally and true spiritually. And in Luke 8 verse 11, it says this, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the one on the rock are those who, when they receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life, and bring forth and bring no fruit to maturity. What are cares? Cares, troubles, things on your mind that you're concerned about, things that are pulling on you, things that are pressing you, things that are demanding an answer. What does it say will happen in a person's life if they have cares. The word is choked. The word of God, the anointed, life-giving word of God will not produce any results, will not have any fruit if there's cares because it can be choked. It, we can have so many cares that the pot, think about that. The word of God, are you guys, are you guys awake? Think about that, that the word of God that is life-giving, 
that is anointed, that can produce miracles, if we have cares and worries and things that are pulling on us and pressuring us and our mind is on these things and anxiety and worry, cares of this life, it can get to the point that the word is choked in our lives. We're talking about the word of God. It's not because God doesn't want it to work. It's not because that the word doesn't work. It's not because it's not his will for these things that happen in our lives. It's because the word of God is being choked. Do you see that? It's because the word is being choked. We can hear wonderful truths. We can hear amazing word of God. We can be in a service and hear the word of God and dance and shout and run around the room, hang from the chandelier, and we could cut up a rug and, yeah, God is good, and, and dance about it and get excited about it and go home and get in the car and think about all the problems, think about all the troubles, think about what's not going right, and the word of God that we just heard will lie dormant in there because it is choked. It is not being fruitful. Well, we don't want that, amen? We don't want that. We have to be aware of when things in our lives, when our thoughts, some, some people need to stop thinking so much about stuff. That's why you have to speak. That's why you have to speak up. That's why I'm constantly saying, amen, amen. Get out of your mind sometimes and speak the word of God. Quit being internal so much, thinking about everything, and just speak the word of God. Get your mind on the word of God, and you do that by speaking the word of God. But we need to be aware of things that are troubling us, cares, anxiety, worries, things that are coming to our mind because these things will choke the word of God. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about today is some of the things that will choke the word of God is embarrassment and is being ashamed of the lack of results. Because when you are thinking about what hasn't happened yet, the miracle I haven't received yet, the answers to prayer that I haven't had yet, the situations that's still the same yet, my you know, family situation that's the same, the children's situation that's the same, my marriage situation that is the same. And you allow that to embarrass and cause you to feel ashamed because, man, I should be further than this. This should be, see, the enemy, he tries to make you feel that way. He tries to make you feel you should be further than this. You should be past this already. You're still, in, you're still dealing with symptoms. Why are you still dealing with symptoms? Why are you still dealing with this issue? You should be over this by now. Why are you still dealing with this in your family? Why are your children still going through this? And he tries to make you feel like this embarrassment and this shame. But what happens when you take that embarrassment and shame? You are troubled. See, it's not that we don't have faith. It's not that the word is not working, that the word isn't producing. It's that we are troubled about these things. We are troubled about why is this not working? Why hasn't this happened yet? And you see that? That's a form of care. Do you guys see that? It's a form of care. It's a form of worry. Why didn't this take place yet? Why hasn't this happened yet? And you can be embarrassed about it and withdraw and be intimidated. Now, let's just get this out of the way. Everybody has had issues in life. 
Amen. Everybody has imperfections, has flaws. Everybody has dealt with hardships. Everybody has dealt with marriage situations. Everybody has dealt with family situations, children that have gone crazy or whatever, or not doing right. Everyone, right? Everyone has things that they need to grow in and develop in. Amen. I mean, if you don't have anything that you are uh, never dealt with, raise your hand. We'll come and cast the devil out of you, the lying devil out of you. <laughs> but every one of us have had issues in our lives. And if you allow the enemy, he will try to beat you up and say, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Why is this still going on in your life? Why are you still dealing with this? You believe in God for healing for all these years. You believe in God for restoration for all these years. You believe in God for this and that, and it hasn't happened yet. And he wants you to feel this shame and this embarrassment. But it is trouble, and it's a trick of the enemy to keep us in this state of care where the word is being choked out. Do you see that? The word is, is working. We do have faith, but we're also choking the word at the same time because we're like, what? what's going on here? What's going on here? And the word is being choked. We have to be aware of this. He's so tricky. Isn't he tricky? Oh, man. I'm, I can't wait. I wonder if we're going to have a party when the devil is finally like out of our hairs. We, you know, like there's got to be like a celebration or something, you know, that's going to occur. I know he's going to be locked up for a thousand years. I'm talking about after that thousand years, after he's put away for good, man, there, there's going to be some party. I mean, we're going to be party. I know I'm going to be happy that we'll never have to deal with him again. Amen. But we have to care. We have to cast all the care on the Lord the, about these thoughts that come. What's taking so long? Why hasn't this happened yet? We have to cast all those thoughts that care the weight of that on the Lord. We have to cast it on the Lord. See, in our culture-conformed minds sometimes, we look at results or lack of results, and we think God is not pleased. But God is not like the rest of the world. He doesn't look at results and say, now I'm pleased. He doesn't look at the miracle and say, now I'm pleased with you. He doesn't look at the restoration of your relationship and say, now I'm pleased with you. He doesn't look at you turning your situation around and you developing and growing and say, now I'm pleased with you because you have arrived here. No, he looks at your faith and he's pleased with your faith. The Bible says faith pleases God. He looks at you endeavoring to believe him, that you are trusting him, and that's what pleases God. That's what puts a smile on God's face, is when you don't see the results yet, and you are still trusting him. Anybody can trust God when they have the breakthrough. Anybody can say, hey, now I can dance, God is good. But can you do that before you see the results? And that's what pleases God. When I don't see it yet, I don't know why this is still going on, but Lord, I trust you, and that pleases God. See, we live in, live in a culture that is so focused on results that we can think that's how God is. Yeah, we want the word to produce results, but faith is what is pleasing God. Faith is what he sees. And there's a lot of things that people are going through in life that I commend people 
that are walking by faith, endeavoring to believe God. I respect people that are not giving up and they're facing some difficult and challenging situations. I respect people like that. Even though they don't have the, the miracle yet, the manifestation of it yet, what they're believing for yet, hey, keep going. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. You know, a lot of people have dealt with things I've never dealt with before, so I'm not judging. I'm saying, hey, keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen? But there's nothing to be ashamed about. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. We all have faced things in life. We all have things that we need to overcome. So we got to get rid of the shame and we got to get rid of the embarrassment of it because that will keep us from not uh, producing fruit in our lives. The word from not producing fruit in our lives. When all this care and embarrassment is coming. So what do we do? What do we do? How do you respond in these situations? When you've done all that you know to do, you have to ask yourself, am I walking in the light that I have? Am I doing what I know to do? If you are doing what you know to do and you are walking in the path that you see the light and you are doing everything you know, hey, this is what God told me to do. Now, if we're not doing what God told us to do, if we are being disobedient, well, then we're going to be in condemnation. And that condemnation is going to cause us to withdraw from God. um, And we won't be able to get rid of the condemnation until we do what God told us to do. But once we do what God told us to do, we I don't care how big the mistake is. We repent, do what God told us to do. After that, We just cast the care on the Lord. We don't take the care of it anymore. We don't take the weight of it anymore. Amen? We only know in part. We don't know everything. So all we can do is what we know to do. And we don't have to be embarrassed. We don't have to be intimidated. That's one thing. People get intimidated when they are around people that have had miracles, that have had life-changing things happen, that had miracles take place, breakthroughs, healings, provision, and they're still believing God, they don't want to be around people like that. No, that's pride. And that's choking the word. And we can't be like that. We, ha- we want to get around people like that. Like, hey, man, I've been believing God for 10 years, and you got your miracle. How did that happen? How did that happen? Don't be intimidated. Because they've been there too. They've been there themselves. People that are spiritual, people that love God, people that want to obey the Lord and that really are seeking God, they're not looking down on people. They want to help. They, they want to be a help to you. They want to be an aid and assist to your faith and come together with you and say, hey, uh, let me tell you what I did. And man, the Lord is good. He helped us. He graced us. And and man, God is good. No, people that look down on other people, that's a person that hasn't done anything. They're just pretending they have. Because if you really have overcome something and you really got the victory in it, you know it was not easy. You know it was only by the grace of God. So looking down on people, that just shows that person's a fool. They never done anything. <laughs> I'm not saying you got to tell them that. But you just know inside well, hey, if they really done something, they would be more compassionate because they would know what it takes 
to fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Go with me to, uh, we got some more time here. Go to Luke chapter 21. No, we're not embarrassed about our situations that haven't changed. We're not hiding. We're not intimidated. We're not going to be stressed about it, not depressed about it. And don't look back either. Don't look back on, man, if I would have, I should have, if I did this and if I did that. No, what's happening? Then you're taking more trouble. You're taking more cares. You're taking that back on you, man, if I would have. That's real easy to do, though. You know, I'm I'm saying not to do it. But, I mean, that's a fight because the enemy is going to say, you should have done this. You should have done it this way. You should have done it that way. And you can look back and beat yourself up. But if you do that, you're taking the care. If we do that, we're taking the care of it. Amen? No, we, if now, if there's something that the Lord needs to point out to us so that we correct it and we don't do it again, okay. We look at it. We repent. We see, okay, I see where I made that mistake. But we don't live in that, though. We don't keep kicking ourselves over it. Man, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, I did this. No, God is still a God of miracles. He is still a creative, miracle-working God. Amen? And he can still do things amazing in our lives if we put our faith in him. You know, the, de- the devil whispers the same thing into everybody's ears. He's telling everybody, uh, you don't got no faith. You don't even know who you are in Christ. You don't even know about the love of God. He's telling everybody the same things. And that's what he likes to do. He, tries to, he likes to make us feel useless, like we have no worth in the kingdom. And everybody else, man, everybody else has it together. Everybody else is strong in their faith. And everybody else prays and boom, miracles right away. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? No, he's saying that to every single one of us. Amen. He's telling all of us the same things. He's whispering all the same junk to our ears. And the good thing about that is that when you, not, it's not good that he's doing that, but it's good that we can recognize that when those thoughts come, you don't have no faith. You're useless. You're worthless. Everybody else is doing well in their walk with God. Look at them. But you're just way behind. You can know that's the enemy. That's the enemy. Because why? The, the Lord is not going to try to make you feel worthless. He wouldn't do that. And only the enemy would do that because he knows we're a threat to him. The reason why he's telling us that because we're a threat to him. And we do have some faith. And we do know who we are in Christ. And we are endeavoring to follow the Lord. And we are endeavoring to live for him. And so that is a threat to him. That's why he has to tell us those things. That's why he has to whisper those things to us. So we can immediately recognize when we hear thoughts like that, you don't, you don't, you're not worth anything. You don't have no faith. Oh, okay. Yeah. That means I have some faith. That means you're scared of me, devil. (laughs) Amen. We can immediately recognize that. He is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible calls him the accuser. That's what he comes to do. He comes to accuse us night and day, throwing accusations at us, throwing accusations at us. You don't do this. You don't do that. You're not good enough. That's the enemy. And we need to immediately recognize that. Our responsibility is just do what we know we're supposed to do. Walk down the path we know we're supposed to walk down. Walk down the path of light and cast the rest of it over to the Lord and not let our heart be troubled. Not let all these other things in that can choke the word of God. Amen? 
Luke chapter 21, verse 34. It says, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and what else? Cares of this life. That word weighed down, or that phrase, that means what? Our load is too heavy. We're carrying too much. It's impeding our progress. If our heart is weighed down, that is slowing us up from making any progress. That is hindering our progress. That is, and what, what's doing that, does the Bible say? The cares of this life. The NIV, NIV says the anxieties of this life are weighing our heart down. The King James says it this way, uh, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged. Wow, can you have an overcharged heart? I mean, this is where the word of God is being sown. It's being sown in our hearts. That means if our hearts are overcharged, if they are weighed down, the word is choked, man, that means no fruit. That means no results. Think about that. You could be, you know, having a great time of praising God, heard a great word, and then get your mind on the cares of this world and just no fruit, no results, just feeling weighed down. Have you ever felt weighed down before? Have you felt overcharged before, overmax, too much pressure on you? We've all been there, amen? We've all been there. And you know, you can, like I said, you can be full of joy one moment. You can have the peace of God. You can be, seems like you're floating on the cloud. And then so you hear some news. You hear something that's alarming, that's alerting to you. And man, that strength, that joy, that peace can seem like it just was drained completely out of you. Where it feels like you don't even want to get up. You don't even want to lift a finger anymore. That's why we need to be aware of when you are constantly tired, when you are constantly drained, when you are just constantly no energy and it's continuously like that and you're getting enough sleep, we need to look at this. Am I troubled? Am I taking care? Am I taking worry upon myself? Because if it is, man, that's going to drain the life completely out of us. Amen. You know, when victories are won or lost in our response, when we first hear that alarming news, when we first hear something that is bad news, something that is, wow, that took us by surprise, the victory is won or lost in how we respond. We may sense fear. The doctor may come in and say, this is the situation. It's terminal. It's this or that. Or you may get a call. This happened. There was an accident or that. Man, the victory, a lot of times, is won in how we respond right there. We can either, oh, my God, throw, you know, scream and cry and yell and throw our hands in the air and say, it's all over. What are we going to do? We lost them. Oh, my God. We, what are we going to do? You could either respond that way or we could respond the way the 112th Psalm says. It says they will have no fear of bad news. Why? Because their heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Their heart is steadfast. 
in the middle of those situations when you hear the bad news. I, I've seen it, and I, I've done it to a degree, but I've seen people in way worse situations when they've got a call, hey, it looks like your son is about to die. And they said on the way to the hospital, we don't know what we're going to see. But one thing we know, we are not going to fear. We refuse to fear. And when you respond like that, man, that gives God access. That gives God access because we are not just looking at the natural. We are looking at him now. And we are not going to let the fear in. We are not going to let our hearts be troubled. We are not going to let our hearts be overcharged and, and weighed down. We are going to let the word work in our lives and produce fruit. Amen. 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 If we really believe that we are overcomers, then we are not going to be overcome with anxiety and depression and troubles and worry. Amen. If we really believe that he has made us victors, then we are not going to be victims of the trouble and of the challenges and of the things that we're facing in life. Amen. No, we, we have to believe this by faith. As long as we're still breathing, there is hope. Amen. That's the way we, the way we need to approach it. Hey, if I'm alive, there's still hope. God's still on the throne. I'm still alive. Hey, we're fighting another day. I'm not just throwing up my hands saying it's all over. I'm going to fight until I can't fight no more. Amen. In closing, go with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now, Luke chapter 10, we're just a couple, I think you guys are just a couple pages from there, right? Luke chapter 10 is a story about somebody who's famous for taking care. You guys know who we're talking about? Luke chapter 10. Let's start in verse, well, 38. Who are we talking about here? Come on now, Bible scholars. <laughs> Martha, Martha. Come on. You, you guys know her. She is, the, she is the picture of taking care, Right? She is the picture. When you look up cares and those that took care, Martha is who comes to mind. And, you know, now Martha, obviously she loved the Lord. She's trying to prepare a meal for him. So she loves God. She's a good person. Just because these things happen and, you know, we take care and we do these things and we've taken some trouble, that doesn't make us bad people. That doesn't mean something's wrong with us because we have some things to overcome, okay? That just means we have to recognize it and acknowledge it and say, okay, this is choking the word out of my life. But Martha is Mary's sister and, uh, you know, they're siblings and little sibling rivalry probably going on here. I don't know. But uh, Martha has prepared, is preparing a meal for Jesus. So obviously... Jesus thinks highly enough of Martha to come to her house. I don't know. Maybe he's heard she cooks good and may, maybe he's had her meals before. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that grouper. I don't know what, what she's cooking. But uh, he's on his way there. He's there. And it says in verse 38, it says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary 
who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now think of that. Mary had some understanding. She understood how important it is to separate herself from everything else and to get under the word of God, to hear the words of Jesus. See, she had enough understanding, must have, that she knew this is important. This is more important than me running around in the kitchen right here cooking. See, she realized that. You guys see that? It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now, what is Martha doing? First of all, she's being disrespectful to Jesus, and she's accusing Jesus of not caring. Do you see that? She is accusing, do you care? that I'm in here by myself, slaving away in the kitchen. I got five pots going. I'm trying to do this and that. And Mary, my sister, is just sitting here doing nothing. <laughs> she ain't helping me or nothing. Don't you care? Don't you want to have dinner tonight? <laughs> well, see, she is accusing Jesus of not caring. Yeah. Do you see that? And who is the accuser of the brethren? The devil, the enemy. He is the one who accuses us to the Lord day and night. He is the accuser. He is the one who brings accusation. And that's something that we need to be aware of. When we are blaming and we are accusing and pointing our fingers, it's because the enemy is weighing us down with accusation. He is bringing accusation to us. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. What are you going to do here? What are you going to do there? I've done it. We've done it. Right? The Lord, the, the, the enemy is accusing us. He's pointing things out. And because we feel the weight of these accusations and we're feeling the pressure, we'll, we are feeling the care of it, we go to somebody else. Don't you care? Don't you care? I'm in here by myself. Because we feel alone. We feel like nobody cares. The self-pity is involved too. Don't you care? I'm in here cooking. Accusations. That's the enemy. And that's a form of taking the care. But should she have been doing this? Should she have been in there distracted, encumbered, some translation says, having her mind on all these other things? See, what she was doing was not a bad thing. She wasn't doing something bad. She wasn't doing something immoral. She was cooking for the Lord. She's getting the meal ready. You know, she's thinking, man, I'm serving God. But what did the Lord say to her? He said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. He said, you are troubled and worried about many things. It wasn't just the one thing that she was doing. He said, you're troubled about many things. So we got to put ourselves in her shoes. I mean, I don't know how it went down, but she invited Jesus to come have supper. I'm sure he wasn't just walking by and she said, hey, come on in. This is prearranged. I'm coming over. Can you come over for dinner? Yeah. So all day long, she's doing this, getting the house ready, getting this ready, 
she's sweeping the dirt floors. <laughs> she's cleaning. She's making everything look nice. She's running here, running there, getting the food. You know, back then, you couldn't just go to Publix down the street. You know, you couldn't, act, you couldn't have Kroger just deliver the food to your house. You had to go to the market. You had to go pick out stuff. She's doing all these different things. She's just going out there, causing stress, causing all this trouble, anxiety, and care. And that's not even what the Lord wanted. She didn't even ask, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Do you want me to prepare a meal? Do you want me to do all this stuff? She didn't even find out. There, I mean, it doesn't say that she asked. Because why would the Lord say, hey, she's chosen the thing that is most needful? Talking about her sister. Amen. Sometimes we can get caught up in doing so many things, so many different things that are causing burdens, that are causing weight, that the Lord never told us to do. And we think we're doing the right thing. We think that, hey, I'm serving you, Lord. But no, he never asked us to do any of that. He never asked us to get involved with this and to get involved with that and to do this and that, put out this fire and be there. You know, a lot of things can be good, but doesn't mean it's right for us. Just because it's right for somebody else don't mean it's right for us. Amen. I'm, I'm just preaching by revelation here right now. I'm just letting the Holy Spirit. Just because the Lord caught somebody else to do something, that doesn't mean he called us to do it. And it could be a good thing, but that doesn't mean it's good for our lives and our situation and our season in life right now. And we have to be aware of when we are feeling that weight and we are feeling that pressure and we go into blaming, man, I'm not getting enough help. Man, this is happening. Man, they're not doing this. They're not doing that. The devil is bringing accusation and it's causing this stress. It's causing this worry and the word of God is being choked in our lives. You know, the, Jesus said, my burden is what? E my burden is easy. My yoke is yo uh, easy. My burden is light. You guys know what I'm trying to say. I think I was saying it backwards. Yeah. It should be light and easy. What he tells us to do, now it doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges, but if we're doing what he told us to do, we won't be weighed down. We won't be overcharged. We won't be overmaxed if we're doing what he told us to do. So when we're getting burnt out, when we're getting overcharged, weighed down, that means we are doing things that the Lord didn't tell us to do. Or we're taking the care of it. And we are not supposed to take the care of it. We just do what he said. Say, hey, the rest is up to you, Lord. I did what you told me to do. I'm not going to take the weight of this. We've all taken the weight of things that we shouldn't have taken the the weight of. And sometimes it can be this pride that we are the savior and we are the ones that fix the situation. It's a savior complex, not purposely. We're not trying to, again, we're not trying to be bad people or anything like that. But we think, man, if I don't witness to all these hundred people, they're all going to hell and all be on my hands. No, that's not, that's not the way it is. Some people have that. Some people have that. You, we're not the savior. We're not the provider. We're not the healer. We just do what God shows us to do. We do what God tells us to do, and we enjoy life. We enjoy being in, in, in our salvation, enjoy worshiping him, praising him, 
and not let other things get us down. Because there is a lot of people that are letting things weigh them down. Yes, it's like the minister that I heard that a lady was walking down the street, a believer, and she's happy, enjoying the beautiful spring day, skipping and singing songs, and she saw the pastor. She said, hey, pastor, how's it going? You having a good day? And they talked for a little bit. And then she said, you don't seem that happy. You don't seem, you know, that excited today. What's wrong? He's like, well, there's people that are dying and going to hell by the thousands every day. And she's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right. And she lost her joy. And she said, no, she actually said, well, wow, that's, that's true. I guess I wasn't thinking about it. He said, well, that's the problem. Nobody's thinking about it. See, this, this savior complex, this I'm the only one that's spiritual. I'm the only one that's thinking about all the lost souls out there. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> we all know that there's work to be done, but we're not going to be much help if we're full of cares and trouble because we'll be weighed down. And it's a much better witness and representation of the Lord when you go up to somebody and you're like, hey, man, the Lord has a good plan for your life. Not full of cares and troubles and say, if you don't get saved, it's all over, you know. <laughs> no, we have to be smarter than that. We are smarter than that. Amen. We realize, you know what? I'm not taking care. I'm not taking worry. I'm not taking this trouble. Because I am going to have the word of God produce in my life. I am going to have the word of God work in my life. I'm going to allow the word of God to produce fruit in my life. I'm going to see fruit in my life. And when I see that I'm getting caught up in cares and worries, mm -mm, I'm stopping it. And I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to cast it upon him. Amen. Amen. We, and what does he say here? One thing, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, and it'll not be taken away from her. And that's the way we're going to be. We're going to put our foot down and say, no, I am not going to let the word of God be taken away from me so that it doesn't produce fruit in my life. Amen? Amen. Was that okay? Uh, let's, let's receive, let's worship the Lord in our giving over this. And then we're going to sing that first song again, I Rejoice. And while we do that, we're going to cast all our cares upon the Lord. Anything that you know has been troubling you, that's been trying to embarrass you, that's been trying to weigh you down, that's been trying to intimidate you, that you don't know why it's still like that, we're going to just cast that over to the Lord. Say, Lord, we've done what we know, and we're casting it all on you. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.